Motorsport 411 presents all the four and two-wheeled action. Motorsport 411 with Sean Cardavillis. Welcome to Motorsport 411, your home for all your four and two-wheeled action in Africa. This week, we discuss the state of motorsport in South Africa with journalist Colin Hasty. As part of our Women in Motorsport series, we focus on Nisha Pandya, who's competing in the KCB National Autocross Championship, and we find out about the mini-classic rally with Clark of the Corsa, Raju Chaga. All the four and two-wheeled action. Motorsport 411. Welcome to the show. Now, South Africa journalist Colin Hasty was at the ARC Rwanda Rally. It was his first experience of an Africa Rally Championship. We asked him how it went for him. I'll tell you, Sean, thanks a lot for, for the opportunity, first of all. But it was absolutely mind-blowing in, in a super positive way. Country was... Oh, I've, uh, it is so clean, so organized. The people were so friendly. Um, great place to go rallying. Uh, it was a magnificent experience. And to see the fight between uh, Curran and Carl was just, it was a proper fight. Uh, it was a great rally, absolutely great rally. Now, you had your South African representative, Guy Botterill. Uh, in terms of the car that he has uh, compared to the R5s, uh, what, what did you make of that? It's it's slower than an R5. We, I mean, that's the way that the FIA had had planned it. So it's an, an R2 kit car. It's got less power, less torque. Um, but from a suspension point of view, it's it's pretty good. But it is slow. And I, I thought that he, he put on a really good performance. He was right up there um, and running in a strong third position, which would have been enough had he finished in third to carry the fight through to the the championship through to the last round um, end of november um, in south africa but in in a lot of ways he was on the back foot because the top speed of that car is oh, it's probably about 20 kilometers an hour slower than the the subaru and the the mitsubishi and he was sitting on the rev limiter for long long periods and that ultimately, I think, is is what caused the the explosion of the engine, and it's the Conrad to leave the inside and land up on the outside. So there was, I mean, it was a. They were absolutely gutted. They put a lot of effort in in terms of travelling and getting to the rallies this year, um, but it wasn't to be. That's I think that's rallying. It's motorsport in general. You know, some days you're the statue, other days you're the pigeon, um, and they'll come back and they'll go for another fight. Now, Colin, uh, the organization of the rally uh, compared to your events in South Africa, what, what were your thoughts about that? Uh, it was really good. You know, um, I think that from just, I know the South African um, rally championship really well, um, really good standard. And on a par, I think, with, um, with what I saw in Rwanda from a, an organization where the Rwandan um, automobile club had has much much bigger advantage than anything in South Africa is the level of government support um, and from what I'm told a, a level of funding you know the the cooperation of the, the defense force and the and the police in terms of shutting roads of organizing crowds it was just magnificent um, 
it was a really, really, it was a top class um, uh, event from an organization point of view. There were minor issues with some of the crowds, you know, when you, you, you bring these types of cars into rural areas. Uh, it was so nice to see the kids come out of all the little villages and get so excited to see rallying cars. And I think that it just brings brings ex extra joy to, to spectators. But from a, a crowd control point of view, you know, it, it would be super sad if, if there, anybody was, was ever injured by a rally car. Um, and that is, is a challenge, I think, throughout Africa is controlling crowds over large distances. But it, it, was, it was right up there. And I think that we've also got a little bit to learn. And so we've got some ideas from it, from the, the you know, we fed back into the local guys, the organizers here. And certainly from a, um, going into the Dahlstrom rally, the track in for rally at the end of the year. Uh, there will be some changes. Fantastic. Now, Rally SA is the final round of the Africa Rally Championship. Uh, Carl Tunda has already wrapped up his championship. Uh, he's in negotiations at the moment uh, to try and see whether he can go to South Africa. Uh, if the Kenyans in general do not make it there due to logistics, uh, how big a blow is it uh, for Rally SA? Um, it is a blow and, uh, you know, from a, an excitement point of view, you really would have liked to um, to see the guys. You know, uh, Carl with the R5VW, Karen in the, with um, with the, the Focus, and then um, McCray Kamathi in that R3 car. That was the first podium of an, an R3 car global. So, you know, M-Sport have got to be really happy. That would have been really nice, but... On the other hand, we, it's the last round of the South African Rally Championship as well. And our championship hasn't been decided yet. So it's, it's still, there's a massive f uh, fight that, that's going on for the championship. So, so from that point of view, there's still that excitement. Um, but I think there's a lot of disappointment that it's possible that we won't see any of the cars. But we understand, you know, 4,000 kilometers is a long, long way to come for a a rally, particularly a week just before um, the Kenyan um, Championship Rally, which which is also a close fight as well, I believe. Now, Colin, uh, we're talking about logistics, and it's, what, 3,800 kilometers between Kenya and South Africa. And the other issue about Africa, and it, it appears to be a major problem, is uh, immigration and, uh, you know, getting clearance of the uh, equipment uh, through these borders. Uh, that has proved to be a major stumbling block uh, in terms of the championship. It has. You know, um, if we go back to the very first rally uh, um, this year, um, Ivory Coast, um, the South African teams, or you know, they they really got bottled, and then they with the Guzu Racing team, there was ships that got delayed and containers sent to different areas. It's it's a mega challenge for with the distances and particularly the number of different border crossings. So, you know, it's it really is something in in Africa, and, and I don't know what the answer is really. Um, you know, it's, it's time, it, it, you know, it, it takes two weeks to, you know, from the, the guys to went, went from, uh, Rwanda to Zambia and that was a two week trip for them. And yeah, it's, I don't know what the, the question is, but it is probably the biggest, the biggest stumbling block or hampering thing to have a, a full field in all, all of the seven rounds for, um, for next year. 
you know, as we see now coming to to the last round in in South Africa, it's yeah, it's it's a ginormous. The logistics is a ginormous challenge. FIA are aware of it. They they also don't know don't know the answers yet, but there really is a there's a desire to to find a solution. Um, who knows what that will be? I think we we have to wait, and I think there's a there must there is a political situation uh, solution as well um, as as merely a logistical solution. Now you mentioned uh, Rally SA, and it's really tight uh, in terms of your championship. But can you update us uh, heading into the final round as to how it looks? Whoever wins this rally wins the championship. Got a fight between the, the Hyundai and the Toyota, uh, Toyota R5, so R4 playing against R5. The thing with the guys with the Tens Jubei and the R5 is they they tried the 2.4 liter engine um, in the R5, normally aspirated, and they had a massive explosion. Um, uh, the, the motor just blew itself to pieces on day two of the last round. Um, and then Chris Kutzer he had to hit a, a post on a gate post on day one of the first round. So neither of them, or each of them, had a, um, a rally where they they didn't score. So they've gone into basically the winner between uh, um, between those two is that's the fight, and it's going to be a fascinating fight. Now, switching to on-track action and the stories flying around the world, I think it's 40-plus uh, years since Formula One was in South Africa, but there is a consortium uh, trying to bring Formula One back to Kailami, and it looks like 2023 could be the year that Formula One returns. Well, we really hope so. You know, the, the South African public, racing public, is desperate for a uh, Formula One, for a Grand Prix, desperate for any form of international motorsport. World Endurance Championship is is also on the cards. And it's one of those things, again, in order to host a Grand Prix, there's a huge amount of dollars that are, are involved and the, a couple of stumbling blocks. One is clearly a venue, and, and Kyle Army, from a, a, a track point of view, is is absolutely um, well suited. I, I don't think there's there's any discussion about it, any other venue um, in the running. There are some upgrades in terms of the latest safety upgrades that uh, will need to be made, but it's all doable. I, um, earlier this year, we spoke to um, the guys involved with the track, and they they're very comfortable that they can get the, the the license for the track. So that's the one thing. The hotel and logistics infrastructure, that's all um, totally uh, doable. Uh, and then it goes to the the funding of, of the event. And for that, you know, with the amounts of money, it's not Formula One throughout the world is uh, without government and state uh, funding, I don't believe is is commercially viable. And I know those talks are at a relatively advanced level. Uh, there's lots of, 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 of considerations. But I think that our government is looking at it from a point of view of a, of a tourism opportunity. Formula One is probably the, the easiest way and, and biggest reach to um, showcase your country and, and kickstart tourism. Um, you know, that's after the COVID thing is, is pretty much pretty much died down in throughout the world and formula one would be an absolutely brilliant way of of getting it done so we all all very hopeful um very excited for if it do, does come and 2023 will be 
second year of the new formula, um, the new Formula One cars. So it, oh, it sets it up uh, for, a, I think, a, a really exciting event. We know that the FIA are super, super keen to have it. Big support coming from Lewis Hamilton as well. So it's a case of when, not if. It's, it's going to happen. Um, now we just hope that uh, everybody gets things in a row. If not 23, then 24 for sure. Now, we know there were huge upgrades uh, down to the track. It looks fantastic. Even the facilities are world-class. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the man uh, who took over the track and uh, did all this funding uh, you know, to bring the track up to world-class standards? So Toby Fenter is a, a racer, um, raced Porsches for many, many years, and he just also happens to be the head of Porsche South Africa. And they were looking at it from a, a, a two-pronged point of view. And Toby has said that, number one, it was vital to save the history, the emotion, the, the facility that is Kyle Army. That was the first thing. And secondly, it was going to be, or his idea was for it to be a commercially viable uh, facility outside of motor racing. So the second part of it is, you know, with the, the upgrades they did, it is certainly from speaking to the guys who were out here for the Intercontinental GT3 um, Championship. We had two of those races. Now, next one is coming up in the uh, first week of December. They are they all rate the track as absolutely world-class, on a par with the best they've been to, and everybody loves it. So, um, the, from the, the facilities, as you rightly say, are, are, are just superb. The second, His second objective of it being commercially viable is... It has been met. The track is busy all the time with testing, with track days, with supercars, with and it also acts as a, a facility for Porsche to, to entertain their and to train uh, a lot of their customers on. So all round, I think the whole of South African motorsport owes him. A, we're grateful to him for saving uh, Kyle Army. For that, Toby, we 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 really are grateful. Finally, uh, you spoke about uh, your experience at Kyle Lamy in the 80s. Uh, can, can you tell us a bit more about that? Top cars at the time were reaching 320, 330 kilometers an hour in qualifying. These Formula One cars are today first stable. It seems difficult to believe they're going as fast as they are. Into the S's for the last time. Out of the S's. And it was jam-packed. It, it was a festival of... For days, people camped and partied and watched a race, and there was always had to be a, an afternoon high-field thunderstorm, which was the rain came, bucketed down, and then the, the sun came out with rainbows, and the cars were still there. It was, it was just I've got goosebumps just thinking back as a as a youngster at at those tracks. It was just uh, you know the um, Francis Tucker used to quote figures of upwards of 120,000 people at the track. And it took until 10, 11 at night to get out of there with the traffic jams. It was, it was just mind-blowing. And, and, of course, to see the turbo cars um, fighting at, at Kyle Army and with the, that was the, the times with the BMW with that 1,500-horsepower hand grenade engine in it, Nelson Piquet in it, and um, the Renault turbos, the... Nigel Mansell in the Williams um, Renault Turbo with massive amounts of power, huge black plumes of 
of smoke coming out of it from all the toluene that they used to run in the fuel and the rocket fuel they had in it. It was spine-tingling stuff. It was absolutely awesome. Press the rise could undoubtedly kick the clutch home, put it into neutral, coast home, and still win the South African Grand Prix. Different era, different time. A time that that planted passion in people that still lives today. It was magnificent. So now, where is Nelson Piquet? There is the checkered flag. Reutemann is the winner. Nelson Piquet... Fascinating stuff. Colin, as always, thank you so much for speaking to us. Sean, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, uh, it's just so nice to... Here we are, you're in, in Kenya, I'm in South Africa, and we, we're able to make the make the connections logistically it's a lot easier than getting rally cars and rally teams around and it's it's just a pleasure to to share just a little bit of my passion for for motorsport uh, you're making me get goosebumps now <laughs> <laughs> sean uh, i really appreciate the opportunity it's just i love racing <laughs> awesome awesome i think we we've all got the same passion for this and this, this is why we do these programs yeah. you know yeah, got to spread it, got to excite somebody, spread the love. You know, Glenn Hall said to me years ago, he said, we're all clowns in a circus. And let's, if we want to keep on being involved in the circus, let's do what we can to ensure that the circus continues. Uh, and that's, that's what I hope that we do in little ways that we can make, keep the racing going. That's South African journalist Colin Hasty. We'll be back. All the four and two wheeled action. Motorsport 411. Welcome back. Now, Nisha Pandya is competing in the KCB National Autocross Championship. As part of our series, Women in Motorsport, I asked her how the season has gone for her. It's been very challenging this year because I was out for two years and every event is like a, it's like practicing and getting challenged but uh, accepting the challenges and going to be strong. Two years out, uh, how was it getting back into it? I went for my, I went to spectate uh, the first event this year at the waterfront and the doo-doo got into my head again and said no you need to go back into this so come February was my first event after two years. Tell us uh, a bit about your vehicle first of all, you're in the two-wheel drive turbo category. Yes, it's a turbo two-wheel driver attacker buggy class I'm in. Um, I'm basically competing against uh, 10 men. But I'm proud of myself because every time I do go for an event, I finish, which is more important. And it's uh, it challenges the other guys as well out there because they don't want to be beaten by a woman. How does it feel competing against the men? Uh, do you feel that your driving is improving a lot with the competition that's around you? Yes, I'm always trying to see who's done the fastest time in my, in my category and I try and see if I can come near there. Uh, obviously, I've been trying hard, but I'm always trying to look at who's near me and who I can try and beat. And the fact that you're competing against men, uh, you may not be getting very high up the rankings as well. Is that discouraging for you? Not at all, because uh, I just try and see, like, I try and look at myself in the other categories of the women racing. And um, I try and see, okay, how has she driven and how have I driven? And I look at that and I feel like because we are in the same league, 
and we would be compared in the same note because obviously men would feel uh, men are obviously more empowered in the sport and you know they have uh, you know they're more power i guess they're more like um, competitive to be you know with with them but obviously i don't i don't feel discouraged at all in fact i feel more encouraged now in terms of women uh, autocross is quite unique uh, compared to the other motorsports events because there are a number of women competing in it uh, how, how do you feel uh, in terms of women competing in autocross i feel we are still very few in fact we are just probably two uh, or three and i would really like to encourage more women to come out and you know like give yourself that go and challenge yourself there's nothing wrong in it women empowerment there's nothing you can do it's all mindset and i feel like once you go in it once you see how it is you'll definitely be a winner now budget is of course major factor in it uh, how are you uh, being able to continue this season uh, particularly with you know the way the economy is at the moment well it's been tough uh but generally it's like something that is self will and it's something i enjoy so i don't mind spending the money in the in my hobby but also on the other hand because autocross itself is not so exposed when you're trying to go to a sponsor to ask for sponsorship they don't even know about the event number 1 number 2 because they don't know about the event they don't know what you're doing in the event so it becomes very challenging there but uh, for now i'm 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 financially okay doing this and i hope and god willing i'll continue doing it you say it's a hobby uh, what what do you see as the future for yourself in the sport i'd love to go into the the car i'd like to get into the car one time but obviously that is a lot more than uh, what i am in right now but uh, god willing one day that's nisha pandya who's competing in the kcb national autocross championship we'll be back <laughs> Sports 411 with Sean Cardavillis. Welcome back. Now the Mini Classic Rally is underway. I spoke to Clark of the course of Raju Chaga and asked him how difficult it was putting together the route at such short notice. Yeah, it's been a challenge. I've had to turn around a 3-day event in literally less than 5 weeks. Um it was a challenge it literally meant a full month on the road every weekend any day i could spare but we're here we have a rally we're starting and it's going to be an exciting event i promise you that now you're already underway of course uh, the first day was held on thursday uh, just tell us about the route yeah so what what we're doing is first and foremost this is a dress rehearsal for our big event we've got some seriously big regulation changes that we are testing um if all goes well then they will be it will be something we go in the direction in the future of classic rally uh so we start uh, we started at waterfront this morning um and we are heading all the way down to embersley and we will be based there for the the next 3 days uh based out of altukai lodge so we will rally in and around the embersley ecosystem now of course this rally will be very different to the main classic rally uh, how challenging is the route for the cars Um Sean classic rallying is all about endurance. So stage mileage is nothing less than 50 kilometers. Um my my typical one day is is more mileage than the KNRC. Um so you can imagine the main classic is 8 days of rallying that's probably a full championship whether it's Kenya or Europe all in one one event. 
And uh, the, the, my longest stage for the Mini is <clears throat> about 87 kilometers. The shortest is about 50. Uh, they'll do three stages per day. The regulation change that I'm trying is um, we're not doing, everyone's used to having an end of day two hour service where they are able to rebuild. And if, if you're one of the works teams, that is, it, it, it is very easy for you to rebuild a car brand new. So <clears throat> we want to try and make it a level playing field. We want to go back to basics, make the crew take care of their car. And uh, and literally uh, reduced or rather omitted the two-hour end-of-day service. So all they will have throughout the day is a roadside service of a 30-minute period only. So calculation and thought has to go into how they attack each stage. Um, and the one who takes care of his car can come out clean and maybe win it. Incredible. Now, each year that passes, of course, uh, the regulations of the cars uh, change slightly. Can you tell us about the regulations regarding the cars? Yeah, no, regulation for cars, uh, cut-off date of manufacture, we, we're trying to keep it as it is as currently. I, I have actually forgotten. I think it's um, uh, 1982, I think. But if we start opening that year, we'll end up bringing in the Group Bs. These are the, do you remember them? The groupie cars, so you had the Audis and all sorts. Um, that just now makes it that much more difficult for like a privateer who's got a Datsun uh, 1800 or a Triple S. And it just opens up the amount of people and cars available. It just, it just wouldn't be a level playing field, to be honest. So we want to keep it as is and try and run it with the with the limits that we've put on technical. But when it comes to event regulation, we're always going to try and improve it. It has run nine editions with an end-of-day service, but we feel we want to make it more challenging. It already is a challenge in terms of endurance, endurance on the car, on the teams, on the service crews. But now we want to make it even harder. So you got to come. You you want to win. You want to finish this rally. You got to accomplish and complete it all in full. That's that's the direction we want to go. Now, Raju, there have been uh, massive changes in terms of the organizers of the Classic Rally. Uh, Minty have come in now. Uh, how's that changed uh, in terms of you working uh, for the Classic? Okay, so um, Minty obviously coming on board. Joey's always loved this rally. He's, he's had a serious amount of passion for it. And he has now taken it over and he's injecting a lot of capital in order to ensure that this rally has a long-term solution or long-term lifespan. Um, for us, for me individually, um, it's a full-time job now. It is literally a full-time job. And I love it. I'm getting paid to do a job, which is a, is a hobby. And you don't get that much these days. But yeah, uh, Minty Minty's going to do everything they can to ensure Classic Rally, East African Safari Classic, uh, stays on for, for a very long time.
Yeah, you're mentioning full-time job. Uh, for you, it's extremely hectic. Uh, you're also involved with the WRC Safari Rally. Uh, we see you're involved with uh, a certain number of KNRC events. Uh, how do you juggle all this? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> My family is pretty much uh, disappointed with me. I'm barely home. Uh, classic, this entire year, I don't think I've had... I may have had one weekend free since January. Um, I've been on the road. I've clocked up 40,000 plus kilometers of roadbook checks, finding roads, driving around. Yeah, I've traveled a lot and it, it, it is very taxing. It is definitely very taxing. But we do it because we love it. Can you tell us a little bit about the quality of the entries uh, for this mini classic? Um, yeah, so we've got... Uh, Ian Duncan, as, as, as usual, uh, we've got uh, Jeff Bell has come in his Datsun Z. We have Joey, owner of Minty, in a brand new Datsun Violet GT, never been rallied. It's, it's really, really smart car. Amongst them, we've got the ALS crew of Shaquille and uh, um, Aslam Khan. The regulars, Jonathan Soman, um, what's his name, Ramesh Vishram in the escorts. And uh, for the first time ever, I decided to add a supplementary class of the cross-country rally rate uh, vehicles that we have in the country. And for that class alone, we've, we've got a bumper entry of uh, 10. 10, 10. 10 cars are taking part. So it's going to be quite fun. I think it's going to be really, really good out there, as long as it doesn't rain. Uh, I think also uh, Glenn Edmonds as well, two-time Safari Rally Champion. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Skodas. We have two Skodas. So we have an international ent entry. He's a regular classic guy. Uh, uh, his name is Kotek. And Glenn is driving. Uh, he's driving Kotek's car. Uh, that'd be very interesting to see how he performs. He hasn't rallied in a very long time, though. That's clock of the course for the Mini Classic Rally, Raju Chaga. We'll be back. All the four and two-wheeled action. Motorsports 411. So that's it for the show this week. Our thanks once again to South African journalist Colin Hasty. For more details of Race Day TV, you can find them on Facebook and YouTube. Also thanks to autocross competitor Nisha Pandya and clerk of the course uh, Raju Chaga. A special thanks to Big City Studios. We'll be back uh, next week. I'm Sean Carter-Villas.